Hey everybody, this is Jerry Nash, your humble history boy as always, with a special announcement. We're coming to your town, if your town is Seattle, Washington, that is, on July 19th, our very first ever live show at the Rendezvous Jewel Box Theater with friends of the show, How the West Was Fucked. Follow us on all social media platforms for more information regarding tickets. Now on with the show. Love you, bye. Hey everybody, you are listening to the History Boys. I am Christopher Whedon, and I, as always, am History Boy. Indeed. Somebody else talk now. Okay, <laughs> I'm Maddie Moon, and I am uh, also a History Boy. And that's all nice. I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. commentary. You threw me off. Usually you have something to say. I, 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 I was fucking blank. But you're all goddamn blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. I am a broken toenail Zach Mech, and oh. uh, I am a history boy with a broken toenail. Zach, ah. what happened to your toenail? Oh, no. Oh, you know, just, uh, you know, hanging out in the rage cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Uh, just hanging yeah. out. Did you break just it at the barbecue? Out. No, I did not break it at the yeah. barbecue. I I broke it actually today while trying to move junk from our garage to the uh, the front of the house for like call the hall. Mm, yeah. That's the- how exciting it is uh, to be a homeowner, <laughs> folks. <Yeah. laughs> it's well, pretty punk rock. Uh, let, yeah. let me tell you why we're recording this one. Uh, uh, we're recording this one remotely. The reason right. why oh, who are you? is because oh. I am Jerry Nash, your humble history boy, as always. <laughs> yeah, that's why um, we're recording remotely. The reason why we're doing it is because we all went to uh, the annual Mech Cookout. I had a, too much of a good time to record <laughs> in person on Sunday. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. we're doing this. Uh, yeah, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, yeah it's totally fine. Make it work. So today, folks, we are on to part three of Roald Amundsen. Oh, that's good. That is. Yeah. Now, last we left you, mm-hmm. he had just gotten back from being the first to navigate the Northwest Passage. Cool. So between the years of 1906 and 1909, Roald Amundsen had been planning on being the first to the North Pole, right? Mm-hmm. He did some speaking tours all over Europe, North America, and was finally successful in raising funds uh, for this new expedition. Right? This, he hated uh, he hated doing speaking tours and fundraising and things like that. He's like, "Get me on that ice." Right. Yeah, I won't take me back to the ice. I want to mm-hmm. be eating penguins. Was it at this point yeah. that other guy talking about how he'd been to the North Pole? Did that happen yet? Well, yeah, that it, that just now happens, like during this time and. Nah. His fundraiser was kind of dried up after that, and his creditors began to kind of pull out. Oh, God damn And he it. was like, ah, fuck, you know, I kind of took the steam out of my, you know, out of, out yeah. of my engine. I don't know. Uh, and, <laughs> took uh, the wind out of my sails. <laughs> wind out of my sails is what I meant to say. Steam out of my engine. I like that. Took the penguin out of my frying pan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and he knew that, you know, this trip north, if you were to do it now, it would be 
it would be on like a confirmation basis. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like basically saying like, yep, that's the North. He was wrong yeah. or he was wrong. You know, Perry or Cook were, were wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, so he kind of like was like, fuck, but I'm still going to go. I still want to go. You know, there's other explorers that were planning trips to the south. They were like, we're going for the South Pole. You know, there was a German a German expedition that was planning a South Pole expedition. Right. Uh, there was a Japanese one, actually, that was uh, planning to go to the South Pole. And there was also the English polar explorer, mm-hmm. um, who, who we've touched on um, before in the Shackleton episodes, Mr. Robert Falcon mm-hmm. Scott yeah. said he right. was going to the South Pole. And he was an Englishman. He was an Englishman. Mm. Yeah, it was not a that bird. That sketch, that sketch, by the way, that Mitchell and <laughs> Webb sketch, they're absolutely talking about Robert Falcon Scott. Like they're <laughs> like the people around him are like the like they're using their names. Yeah, <laughs> you know? a, that's hilarious. A, yeah, fans at home, if you you don't know what you're talking about, what? Because why would you? There's a sketch in uh, the Mitchell Webb look where it's uh, yeah. like polar explorers and they're starving to death. Yeah, right. And then they're like, well, what can I eat this? Like the Christmas. That, that's why that's the Christmas pudding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why we are English for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we would eat that would be no better than Norwegians. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Which I thought yes. was a great line. Yeah. I was like, oh, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're yeah. talking about Roald. <laughs> <laughs> Just eat, uh, eat Christmas pudding every day of the year. Yeah. 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 Uh, our English listeners will probably, or, you know, uh, from the United Kingdom might know. Uh, Mitchell and Webb pretty yeah. pretty well. I feel like the "Are we the baddies?" meme is yeah. We, we brought that up on the show a lot too. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Amundsen acquired the Fram, uh, the famous ship that Fridtjof Nansen used to get stuck in the ice to try to go to the North Pole. Um, it was uh, specifically built for the pack ice to be tra- like trapped in the pack ice and not get crushed, right? So right. it's built for that. It actually, I guess, it wasn't a great sailing ship. Like they kind of like it, kind of like bobbed and skipped mm. across like rough water because it has like a big round hole, you know. Mm-hmm. So they like, rushed the trip, it on that. Yeah, the trip was rough. <laughs> you know, this time he would have a crew of eighteen, and uh, two of his uh, crew from the Yoa would stay on. Helmer Hansen, he stayed on, and uh, of course Adolf Lindstrom, the cook, mm. stayed on. Yeah, right. Like, last time was so much fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Then there was Oscar Visting, his second in command. There was Oscar Nels- Nilsson. Um, he was a ice pilot and a seaman. Because mm-hmm. you need people to drive through the ice. Like, not everybody knows how to do that, you know? I mean? don't. Right. Yeah. Then there was Olaf Bialand. A, uh, they're they're all Norwegians. Yeah. <laughs> this time, uh, I picked up a, on that. <sighs> yeah, he was a ski champion actually in a time before the Winter Olympics, and was considered one of the best skiers in all of Europe. Mm. He had like all these medals and accolades, uh, of course, that would be later represented in the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. L- little did uh, people really talk about was that uh, Olaf was also king of the fairies uh, in <laughs> Norway. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, the little people yeah. or whatever. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And then there was uh, Sver Hassel. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sver Hassel. He was uh, also an able seaman, but he was an expert with dog sledges. And I, that's why Amundsen brought him along. Mm. And then there was Hjalmar Johansson, 
Mm. Which that's the most Norwegian name I think I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hjalmar Johansson. It's pretty good. He was a polar explorer with Nansen on the last uh, trip of the Fram. Mm. And he was kind of the only guy that Amundsen wasn't really sure about. But, you know, he kind of took it from Nansen. Like, Nansen is like, oh, no, he's, yeah, he's good. The thing was, is he did have, like, a depressive streak. And that's something that, like, Amundsen really tried to steer clear of. Because he knew, he knew that, like, everyone on, like, on this trip would need, like, the mental fortitude mm. that was, like, big with yeah. him. He doesn't need him bumming everyone out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the morale up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real and Debbie I guess he, Downer. Yeah, he, he was a bit of an alcoholic, too. Like, cool. he was that kind of guy. Well, that's um, not going to help the depression, but... No. no. <laughs> like a depressant, it just blues away. Yeah. <laughs> then there was uh, Christian Prestrude. He was mm. uh, one of the officers and sailors. Uh, he would help make magnetic uh, observations, things like this. And then there was Thorvald Nilsson, the ship's commander, sort of the second-in-command. Um, on this trip, Amundsen would have, like, a captain of the ship, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, while he is away, you know? And that's so the ship can leave and go get, like, resupplied and, like, fixed, and then they can meet up with them again, right? Mm-hmm. So he right. needs that, right, in, in, in this context. Roald, uh, as he was sort of getting ready for this trip, he was an absolute recluse, um, he had a telephone, but he never answered it. Like, people would come over and, like, Same. he wouldn't, like, come to the door. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Same. Oh, my God. Yeah. Both of those. Same. Oh, my God. He, he I'm not like answering the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, call first, but if I don't pick up, then don't come at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just text me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting anybody. I'm not yeah. answering that. Yeah. Uh, he even got a phone uh, phone call from Scott, from Robert Falcon Scott, and uh, just refused to take it. Like he, he screened like, ah. his call. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Tell him I'm out. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we know that you're just sitting in the middle of the no- of nowhere and like, <laughs> you know, hanging out with like your rural Norwegian buddies, eating seal meat and stuff. <laughs> you know, he, he was too busy yeah. doing Viking shit. Come on, man. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, something that only a very small group of people knew, Thorvald Nielsen had to know, Amundsen's brother, Leon, he knew as well, but those two are the only other people that knew, that Amundsen had secretly been planning, even before Robert Falcon Scott announced his plan to go to the South, that he was also planning secretly to go to the South Pole. Oh. And he hid it from everyone, because he had mm. to. He's like, I ain't telling anybody shit. Yeah. I didn't uh, heard of no South Pole. Yeah, <laughs> he he had to keep it a secret from everybody, uh, and that's just so it didn't get out to his creditors because he didn't want his creditors to like <laughs> pull out of all you know all their money is now gone. You know what I mean? Mm. Right. Um, yeah. So he had to kind of deceive all of these people, and like there there was a, a one one guy that uh, asked to go, um, Jorgen Struberud, Struberud or Struberud. Um, he was a carpenter and also an expert skier, but like Amundsen commissioned like this hut, like this like prefab hut, like built by this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's going to be this wide by this wide, you know, you figure out the rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but like he figured out like, oh, you're going to go on like an expedition. I want to go with you, you know? And he's like, okay. But like everyone was like, why do we need a hut on the pack ice? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like mm-hmm. the pack ice could break and like, 
there goes the hut, you know, like that's a stupid thing to like bring a hut to the pack ice, mm. you know, but still nobody was like on to him, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even when like Amundsen picked up like 100 Greenland dogs from Greenland, mm-hmm. there was still like, like, like Helmer Hansen was like, why don't we just pick them up in Alaska? They have a bunch of them in Alaska. It's cheaper. We don't have to bring them all there. Like, why? You know, and like mm, Amundsen right. later was like, I thought you were going to get me with that whole dog thing. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to find it out. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to see right through me. Now, he almost got away with it if it wasn't for those dogs. Yeah, oh, yeah. Those, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the Scooby-Doo line scoobies. and it took me so long. The, those meddling kids and their it, dog, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, there's meddling dogs and they're Norwegian too. <laughs> yeah. Norwegian Viking. <laughs> yeah. He the the difference the the that this created is that Amundsen all of his plans were a secret. Nobody knew exactly what he was going to do, right? But the fact that Robert Falcon Scott announced that he was going, all of his plans were public, so Amundsen could see Scott's plans, mm-hmm. and like he was like. Oh, uh, you're going to fuck up here, 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 and here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, the thing it was is Scott, he was planning on using ponies, like a mixture of ponies, dogs, and motor sledges. Mm. And, like, the, everyone at this time is starting to say, like, dogs. Like, you need dogs, you know, in order to do this. Ponies, they, like, put too much weight down. So, like, they sink into the snow easier than a dog mm-hmm. does. They sweat, right. which a dog doesn't do, so there's a lot of extra care. Mm-hmm. Also, all the food for the ponies has to be brought there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? you got to pack food for the ponies. Dogs, not so much. You can feed them meat. You know, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know? Right. You need, to so, bring, you need to bring carnivores. Yes. They should yes. bring cats. There you go. Uh, to pull cats. the sledges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you but said there just, was also motor sledges? Yeah. What like, was that? Yeah, it was like this big like tractor thing. It had caterpillar like, you know, like the like the tank treads. treads basically. Yeah, yeah, and it was like a new invention, an American invention. Uh but it was a new invention and it was like this is going to work. And like even Amundsen was like, I don't know about like engines like surviving out there, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's they're going to get too cold and everything's going to freeze in them, you know? Like, oil, like, gets frozen to a certain extent. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. It just, but it would still haunt him, you know? Like, thinking about those motor sledges just going all the way to the pole, like it would haunt him, even though he thought it was a bad Motoring! <laughs> <laughs> motor sledge! <laughs> it's like an old... <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's like an old man in his, you know, on his dying... On his deathbed, being like, I should have bought that motorcycle. Sure, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should have <laughs> bought that motor sledge. Yeah, why didn't I do that? Uh, oh. Joe, you remember when we were in? We went to that wedding and we stayed at a motor inn, and we kept yes. being like, "Motor inn." <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny part about that was is that like you guys had already been there and already had already made the joke, and yeah. then I was riding with you guys to go there, and I was like, "Oh, guys." Motor in. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. We already made yeah. that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
was like, oh, we're damn, past I missed that out. Now. Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure we listened to that song in the hotel room, and then we're like, oh, remember Boogie Nights? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite part. Yeah. And really, the only way that Amundsen could really pull this off, he got like a last-minute creditor um, in Argentina. He was a Norwegian-born, like Norwegian, uh, Norwegian expat in um, Argentina. And uh, they called him down there Don Pedro, but his name was uh, Peter Christofferson. Mm. Um, <laughs> Close. Yeah. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. But he put up like the rest of the money to like, uh, for like the part, you know, when the Fram has to leave and like go to Argentina to like get fixed and like resupplied and things, he put up the money for that part. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that was just sort of like a last. Whew, the, these people that goodness. put money up for this kind of thing, there must be money on the. The back end, right? But like Sometimes, it's an investment, yeah, right? Yeah, like they, otherwise, they get, yeah, they get like paid off. Yeah, their creditors mm -hmm. get paid off, and also like you know you get like a mountain or something named after you. That's pretty you know? badass. Yeah, yeah. Amundsen and Scott were opposites in almost every way. Like mm. Amundsen had clear plans and led by consent, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's all about consent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're you right. know they had they would vote you know on things and stuff like this. Whereas Scott was a British uh, naval commander, you know, and he he ran his expedition this way with like the naval hierarchy, you know, mm -hmm. officers don't stay with crew, crew don't stay with officer, you know, things like this. You yeah, know? you don't so eat the Christmas pudding. Yeah, <laughs> unless it's <laughs> Christmas. Yes, yes. So. And uh, Scott's plans also were like, it's going to be a sci uh, scientific mission. And then there was like all these like scientific things that he wanted to complete. But like none of it was like clear. Like there was a lot mm -hmm. of vagaries. And they're like, how come we're not like working more at like trying to get to the South Pole? You know, we're doing like his whole winters. Like, you know, you spend a winter down there. You can't go anywhere in winter mm -hmm. in, in Antarctica. So like they would have like lectures and stuff instead of like you know making observations like keeping yourself busy and you know like mm -hmm. constantly you know figuring out how you're going to do this um like Amundsen was doing you know yeah the, it, it sort of right from the beginning there's just a cultural divide and a leadership divide between the two men and you'll notice more of a contrast as we go on with this story but a, a couple of things I didn't want to point out um before he left Amundsen had a bit of a lady friend oh. for like the first time in a long time, I guess. Her, her name was Christine Elizabeth Bennett, otherwise known as Kiss Bennett. Oh. So I guess she, she went by nice. Kiss Bennett. She was married to mm. uh, an Englishman, Charles Bennett. Then there, there was another lady, too. Both of them married. There was Sigrid Kastberg, who was the wife of a lawyer. Uh, Norwegian lawyer and like he kind of tried to get both of them to like get in a relationship with him before he left and like I think both of them were like let's see if you come back alive <laughs> 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 before I just get divorced from my husband <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah god damn so yeah but Rawl he he wants things that that he that are hard to to attain yeah yeah, he like, goes after he, two he, married yes. women. He yeah. goes after two married women. He's going after two poles. <laughs> yeah. that people haven't claimed. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I get it. No guts, no glory, but holy fuck, man. Like, yeah. life doesn't have to be that difficult. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, in July of 1910, he led his, his crew that still believes that they're going to go into the North Pole Arctic Drift, and they get as far as Magiera. Magiera is one of those little tiny islands, like, off the coast of, like, Spain and Portugal and, like, northern Africa. Like, there's, like... It's like the last mm. port of call b- before you go, like, any which way, right? Mm. And that's where he, like, turned to his men, and he was like, So, boys, we're going south. Color me surprised. Yeah. He, like, sat down with each of them, and he's like, Are you okay with that? Do you want to go? Do you want to do this? And they're all like, Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I thought we were going to the lame-ass North Pole. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, like, Nansen helped him out so much, and, like, he was on the Fram, which is on loan from the Norwegian government, he was worried that, that like, they were going to take the ship away, right? Mm-hmm. So he sends Nansen this this note because he knows that basically when you tell it to Nansen, like, it'll make it back to the Norwegian government, right? He says, quote, It is not with a light heart that I send you these lines, but there is no way around it, and so I might as well get on with it. Yes, it is difficult for me, Herr Professor, to inform you, but since September 1909, my decision has been to take part in the contest to answer this challenge. Many times I have been on the point of confiding all to you, but always waited for fear that you would stop me. I have often wished that Scott had been aware of this decision of mine, so that it did not appear that I would sneak down there without his knowledge to go ahead of him. But I have not dared to make any publication for fear of being stopped. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that is what he did. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, went, he was like, yeah, I wanted to tell you. Yeah, but couldn't. It's uh, This is that, like, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Amundsen does send a wire to Scott, who's also leaving to go south at the same time, pretty much the same time. There, there's a little bit of a difference here, but pretty much the same time. It's a very short wire, and it goes to Melbourne, Australia, where he is currently in his Terra Nova. That, that's his boat, the Terra Nova. Mm. Um, here's here's the, the wire he sends him. Captain Robert F. Scott, SS Terra Nova, Melbourne. Big leave to inform you from proceeding Antarctica, Amundsen. End quote. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Beautiful. And the way Amundsen thought about it was that, like, this was just like a friendly challenge, friendly warning, like, hey, buddy, let's try for a race. Let's race. <laughs> and, like, Scott got it, and he's like, what, he wants a race? He wants to race? It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not racing in that place. I've been there before. No. <laughs> you know? So yeah. he kind of just pretended like he didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. disheartening, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> like that's, like, the cultural difference, too. Like, you know, Amundsen thought, saw it as, like, a courtesy call, you know? But Scott mm-hmm. was like, he's being an asshole, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. by doing this. Right. It's well, a dick move. Yeah. Also, trying to, to, to have a race to Antarctica and what? Homeboys in Australia, which is thousands of miles closer to the South Pole? Well, yes. Yes, you're right. But Amundsen wouldn't stop 
actually. Mm-hmm. Like, usually you kind of make a couple of stops. Not Amundsen. He went straight there. You know what There's I mean? No Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the news definitely, like, all the news around the world were, were, did not receive Amundsen's news well. You know, they were <laughs> all like, that is kind of a dick move, man. You know, there are yeah. these unwritten rules about, like, polar exploration. If somebody says they're going to go out there and do it, like, you let them try at least. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Don't race them. And he's like... It'll be a great story if I raced him. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not wrong. Yeah. So the Fram proceeded directly to the Ross Sea in Antarctica, heading for the Bay of Wales, which is an inlet of the Ross Ice Shelf. But mm. back then, it was still known as the Great Ice Barrier. Mm. So scary. Yeah. It goes great with the map too. Uh, this this whole part, and I'll I'll put, put uh, pictures on. Uh, on the Discord as well, so people can see that. Yeah. The thing is, Amundsen's position in the Bay of Wales was closer than Scott's intended base at McMurdo Sound, which is like on the opposite end of the Ross Ice Shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, Amundsen's on one side, and Scott is on the other side, right? And right. Yeah, Amundsen knew he was going to be in McMurdo Sound, and he was like, you know, if I go over to Bay of Wales... That, that gives me a full degree of latitude as a head start, like mm-hmm. closer to the South Pole than where Scott is, which a full degree of latitude, that's how they are really counting all of this. And it's, I, I guess it's 69 miles. Nice. <laughs> nice. Is, uh, nice. <laughs> the degrees of latitude. I guess. I don't know. That was like, I, it's got to be different. But anyway, it's got to be different based on where you are. I don't really understand it. Anyway. Just know that as they continue, they're trying to get to 90 degrees south. So everything to them is like 80, mm-hmm. 81, mm-hmm. 82, you know, and that's kind of how it goes, you know? Right. And yeah, he had a full degree closer by being in this position. Now, Scott, he arrived uh, near Ross Island in uh, January, January 4th of 1911. And like they scouted around a little bit before... Uh, making their way to McMurdo Sound, um, where the Discovery and the Nimrod uh, had previously landed. And actually, the Discovery Hut and Scott's Hut, I think they might be the same thing, but they were mm-hmm. still standing, and they are still standing to this day. Oh, interesting. Um, in, in, That's in cool. Incredib- yeah, incredible condition, because, of course, it's so cold, you know, that it, it stays up in just immaculate con- condition. To this day, you know, there's not as many bacterial things that will eat away wood and things like that mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. Right. When Amundsen finally laid down his base camp, which he called Framheim, um, cool. it was January 14th, 1911. So it's around the same time, you mm-hmm. know. Now, if you look, Amundsen's direction and plan would basically be a straight line to the South Pole. There's one problem with that, though. Like, you go across the Ross Ice Shelf, and you hit the Trans-Antarctic Mountain Range. Oh. Which is the most one of the most treacherous places on Earth, you know? I it's, would imagine. It's riddled with, you know, chasms and, you know, holes you can't see and crevices, you know, you can't see. And, like, you can fall down there, you know, like, it's not... A place it's not a good place to travel across yeah, you know there's few places to get through so he would do that right and then proceed to the across what many thought because shackleton had been his record was 88 degrees south 
So mm-hmm. he had crossed that ma- mountain range. Um, so they did know that there was a plateau on the other side. The thing was, is that Scott was taking Shackleton's Nimrod route to get there. So at least that part was already planned for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amundsen, he was going on completely unknown, an unknown route, you know, so he had that going against him. He's like, let's um, just see what happens. Yeah, that's so insane. It's yeah. insane. And what they would do is they would they would th- put out three depots before winter hit, right? Because winter's coming here pretty quick. So they they raced out and like set three depots, like at eighty one degrees, at eighty two degrees, and at eighty three degrees. You know, and each one of those trips was harrowing in of itself. You know what I mean? And they would they would plant these these caches basically, so they would have it for the way back, right? Not mm-hmm. the way there, but the way back. And they, they would make smaller caches as they would go, you know, because anything out there, it's a featureless place. Anything out there that is a different color than just pure white, you can see from like hundreds of miles away in some places. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. There's nothing to look at. You know what I mean? That's what all like every Antarctic explorer says. Is it like, honestly, it's just there's nothing to look at. It's better when somebody is walking in front of you because you can at least look at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Christ. The yeah. mountain ranges are even difficult. Like, there's nothing to oh. see there. Oh, it's just, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, it just... And there's prefer- snow just everywhere. So and they just- always... They put the guy with the big ass in the front. <laughs> yeah, right. So everyone could stare at it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's their motivation. <laughs> it's yeah. like the carrot. I mean... <laughs> like, I gotta get that ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that that big guy in front, his cheeks are just clapping for them to come along. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, boys. Yeah. Uh, so, what they did first was, yeah, they they laid down these these caches, you know. And Amundsen is he he does it right with like an audience in mind. So his, his diaries are very boring and he downplays a lot of things. Like he doesn't brag a lot. Like Mm -hmm. that's one thing about him. He doesn't like bragging or like talking himself up. So like there are things that we know from other diaries of other people in his expedition where it's like, Oh shit, that happened. But Amundsen Mm -hmm. like completely leaves it out. Yeah. You know, cause it's like not important to him, you know? (laughs) But he's like, weather's fine, skiing's great, you know, this is, it's totally fine, we got through it fine, you know, <laughs> and there's like a guy with like a frostbitten, like, fing- frostbitten <laughs> fingers and stuff, you know. Right. <laughs> Just a mild frostbite. Yeah. And the that, way that they kind of... That seems kinda... to be a stereotype, though, with Scandinavians, is that they're, they're very yeah. passive, I guess, when it comes to that type of stuff, like... Yeah, they're just they're... not, they don't brag, you know, they yeah. don't, like, chest thump or anything like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Just matter of fact, sort of no, no nonsense kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Uh, I and mean, that's just something that I've noticed with I'm, yeah all the people that I've met, and also all of these heroes that we are talking yeah. about. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to pass time during the long Antarctic winter, um, he provided his crew with a library of around three thousand books, cool. um, a gramophone. Whoa a large quantity of records, and a range of musical instruments. Mm, I think all of this is a really good idea. 
you know, so many people, they just don't have anything to do, you know, and that's what kind of drives them nuts, mm. you know, and it's just always dark out, you know, and like, he also gave them separate workstations. So like when you went out and worked, you would all reconvene. So you might have something to talk about, you know, instead of the same old thing over and over again, you know, mm. good idea. That's vibe teching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now in February, so far they're, they're unaware of each other. The Terra Nova and the Fromm are mm-hmm. unaware of each other where they're at, right? But uh, on February 4th, the Terra Nova was on its way back after uh, basically establishing some, some depots and whatnot. But as they came back through, they came through the Bay of Wales and they saw the Fromm. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like, well, there's people out here? And like, they stopped and they're like, oh no, yeah, we're, we're racing near the South Pole. And they're like, oh fuck, how many dogs? You have like a hundred dogs here. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, mm-hmm. like, you know, Scott is not with them, by the way. Scott is, is away. Scott and Amundsen never met. You know, just these oh, are crew. Yeah, these are just crew of the Terra Nova. And, like, they saw all of his plans and stuff, and they were like, wow. And, you know, they kind of talked about plans, because at this point, you know, what, what are you going to do differently? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they noticed how, like, they were organized, and they were accomplishing, like, tasks and doing, like, regimented things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the fact that their cook was really good, you know? And, like, all of these things that are like, oh, we don't have that. Like, mm-hmm. our base camp, it's kind of a mess, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> there's unclear orders. I don't know what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were like, fuck. Like, the, like they kind of rattled them, for sure, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Scott basically, again, pretends like they don't exist. He just, he needs to rid his mind of that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't need that doesn't kind of negativity him. in his life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't do him any good, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was basically starting in February, like right after they left, that they, they planted those depots. And those depots, they'd be filled with uh, like salt beef, chocolate, pemmican for both dogs and people, mm-hmm. biscuits. And, uh, you know, seal, things like this uh, that they'd stash out there and, like, stagger, you know, however far. And then they would put flags on them with numbers so they would know sort of where they were in relation to each depot. And then Mm -hmm. flags in between that would mark uh, one, uh, basically one for every 15 kilometers. So you could see it, you know, as you were coming back. Like, there's basically a runway for you when you come back, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They got a whole flag system down. Yeah. Like, Amundsen mathematically figured this out. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he knew how, how many calories each of the men would need. He knew not to take that many men with him on the trip south, uh, to the South Pole. And, like, how he was going to make it work. Like, he basically, his whole trip was engineered for speed and nothing mm-hmm. else. Just speed alone, right? Mm. So, like, the dogs, like, part of a strategy was like if the dogs get weak or sick or whatever for whatever reason we shoot the dog and then we both men and dogs eat the dog mm-hmm. right mm. that happens a lot <laughs> in this story it was a part of his strategy he was planning to, to for make it. it yeah he's like i can't wait to eat those dogs yeah <laughs> yeah because they don't let me eat dogs yeah in polite society so i gotta go to the south pole if I want to eat some dog. <laughs> have that yeah. sweet, sweet dog meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, they would lose dogs on, on these depot trips, 
you know what I mean? Like eight were lost in one trip alone, you know? And like, sometimes like puppies would follow them and they're like, fuck, they're not, they're not going back. And they're like, well, have to shoot them. I know. I don't know how, I don't know how you're able to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I would snuggle them in my parka. Yeah. (laughs) In your furs. Right. Yes. Because we got skis. And we got the Inuit furs, you know, and we got the yeah. sledges. You know, he's using all the secrets that he learned in the Northwest mm-hmm. Passage from the Inuit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, right. meanwhile, Scott's just repeating the same mistakes that, like, Shackleton made in the mm-hmm. Nimrod. You know what I mean? That's the English way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, Scott was even like, dogs eat their own excrement. But I don't like that. It's mm-hmm. disgusting. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> The pigs are filthy animals. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> eat pigs. Remember? Pulp fiction? Yeah. He's yeah. like, well, yeah. dogs roll around and shit. Well, I wouldn't eat a dog either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to be talking about a pretty charming pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was always making adjustments. Like, after each of these depot trips, it's like, oh, like the my boot bindings aren't as good as I want them to be. So, like, they built you know, all of these things to, like, modify their boots so they fit better or tighter in certain places. You know, uh, certain things to the sledges. Uh, their tents. He realized that, like, a two-man tent is, like, really cramped, you know? So, like, they they tied the tents together. And then later, even, they made, like, an outside tent to go over the tent. Mm-hmm. To, like, kind of... So you don't track in a bunch of, like, snow and stuff, you know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Take off and, your like, shoes. Don't be rude. Yeah. Yeah, they were just always making adjustments, always, like, figuring it out, modifying their their own equipment, you know? The skis themselves, even, they would modify as they were going, you know? They were specially made, they were specially made for this specific mm-hmm. trip, you know what I mean? I was thinking of making a pimp your ride reference, you know, oh. like, yo, dog, I heard you like tents. Yeah. <laughs> so put a tent in your tent so you can sleep while you sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of well, a dated reference at this point, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, in September of 1911, Amundsen, he, he wanted to start, like, right away. Like, the sun hadn't generally come back yet. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, dude, we're not. So he was voted down. Mm-hmm. But when the the English, or the, sorry, when the uh, improving, the, the temperatures kind of improved a little bit, he was like, can we go now? And they were like, okay. So, like, they went. But, like, it went to shit, and they were like, fuck it, we have to go back. So they went back, and, like, this false start created kind of a rift with Hjalmar Johansson, because he, like, basically, like, the one slip in Amundsen's leadership on this whole trip was that they were suffering from frostbite, things were, you know, they needed to go back, and Amundsen just took off and went went right back to the Fram. And, like, he kind of left Johansson to, like figure it out like he's like how come we're not staying together we have to stay together you know in order to survive you know but this insubordination would not fly with Amundsen you know and it was kind of a lucky thing because you you just can't have somebody that is going to question your moves I need that shit yeah so he got lucky in that this happened right Mm -hmm. so he took him off the polar party and he was mm. like, you're Sorry. not going to the pool. <laughs> Sorry, that, that just sentence. 
No, no pull for Taking you. Taking you off the polar no, party. No polar yeah, party for you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Every polar has a pooper. That's why we invited you. Yeah. Party. <laughs> the polar party pooper. Yeah, that's polar you. party pooper. Yeah. yeah. You're a that's polar you. party pooper. <laughs> the PPP. And it won't have it. I run a tight ship. Yeah. <laughs> he had this one thing to say about, you know, how antsy he was getting to, to get going. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, actually, this is a different one of his men. Sorry. The thought of the Englishman gave him no peace. For if we were not the first to the pole, we might just as well stay home. Mm-hmm. End quote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. again, single minded. There was one plan. He had it. He had it out so everyone could see it. You know, everyone right. knew the plan. And like Scott, meanwhile, you know, he only me and the officers discuss plans. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is uh, way that sketch that you showed us. Oh yeah, yeah, he's absolutely that. I can just imagine him puffing on a pipe the entire time too. Yeah, while he's in his <laughs> meetings, these polar meetings and stuff. He's like, Dude. yeah, never misses a tea time. <laughs> yeah, Hold yeah, on. precisely. Basically, when when the race. For the South Pole began, it was October 19th, 1911, and it would be a week before Scott would start. That week would allow him a 150-mile head start, which kind of sounds like a lot, but it's it's kind of like a 100-meter head start, mm-hmm. really, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a lot, but it's not that much uh, here, here anyway. The people that he would bring with him in the polar party were Amundsen, Visting, Hassel, Hansen, and Bialand. Those would be the, the, the people he brings with him. They have fun names. Yeah, yeah. He actually told Bialand to go in front uh, because he was just the best skier. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? why. And uh, Amundsen didn't run any of the sledges. He actually would go up and down the line, mm-hmm. you know. And this kind of also helped the men, like, look at stuff. You know, and like have mm-hmm. different things going on. You know what I mean? It would help them out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise right. you lose your fucking mind. Look at those otherwise asses. It's, yeah. It's, it's just hard work. You know, yeah. It's just hard. Oh, on, on I'm sure something was everything. hard too. Yeah, looking at all the asses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a bunch of caked up gentlemen. Yeah. And, and the way he would do it too was uh, six hours on and six hours off. And so that, that, you know, that wasn't strict but you know six to seven hours on six to seven hours off and like no matter what time of day you know because like now we're in the summertime sun's always going to be up you know Mm -hmm. and so like they didn't know what like after a while they didn't know like what time or day it was you know they're like hey it's uh it's six o'clock he's like oh yeah it's like yeah but in the a.m it was like, no shit. Like, no. I really thought it was at night. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that absolutely happened to him. Um, Don't they use military time, though? Uh, they didn't. They didn't, actually. Weird. Um, they yeah, just it is wanted weird. to be confused. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. You get to guess. Yeah. You have to guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, if, if you go through Amundsen's diaries, he does write a lot about the dogs, about how they fight with each other, no. about how, you know, they're ornery and stuff. And then, you know, he'll it's be cold. like, good weather, good skiing, 
nothing. Is, you, it was fine. It was very cold. Then we had to shoot one of uh, Bialin's dogs. It's fine, though. Anyway, you know, yeah. it's like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's very cavalier, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh, today we had puppy stew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, after a while of feeding them dog, like the other dog's dog, He's like, they, the dogs didn't want the pemmican. Mm. He's like, they wanted dog they meat. They dog meat. Ah, they got yeah. that taste. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The taste uh, for dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's crazy because, like, the dog sledges at that speed was idle speed for a skier. So they're exerting mm. almost no energy at all. You mm. know what I mean? It's all cold and, like, mental fortitude, you know? Right. And, like, Amundsen's like, you gotta, like, keep you got to keep your body warm, especially your head. Like your mental capacity is like your, your most, your, your best friend in this whole thing. Like you can live without a hand, man, but you need to keep your wits about you, you know? Mm -hmm. So on November 1st, they actually crossed, uh, through a, a thick fog, um, where they couldn't really see anything. Just a couple of sledge lengths away, very thick. And he pressed on despite being hampered by crevasse after crevasse. And uh, at one point, uh, Helmer Hansen, uh, who had been leading the sledge train at this point, he fell into a crevasse and uh, Hassel, who went over to help him, did the same. They both fell in and like oh they God. rescued him and pulled him out and stuff. And like, Jeez. according to, yeah, a crazy thing. But according to like Amundsen's diary, it's like, ah, we all laughed it off. <laughs> Jesus. It's like, what? <laughs> you know? That's it's fine. It's, it's a bit of a brush with disaster. <laughs> okay. okay, so so everyone is dealing with you know this horror, suspense, action, thriller, yeah. drama, or whatever, and then you look at Rawls like through Rawls lenses. Yeah. Essentially, it's like uh, like what fucking Clifford the Big Red Dog or something. Yeah, yeah right. It's like, <laughs> and he's gonna eat that dog. Yeah. It, yeah. So, yeah, he he wants to eat that dog. <laughs> he wishes. Yeah, just it's like he just thinks it's, I you know he's just like ah that could have been bad and that, like laughs <laughs> it off you know, <laughs> like I guess whatever works, man. That's just so crazy. Like I I can't. I'm already such a pessimistic person, so I, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. like, being like oh. That was that was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. When you almost died. <laughs> okay, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the shot of dogs, dogs. That was tight. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I would have taken that shit personally if I was the one that fell in. Oh yeah. And like. Oh was, yeah. Was able to get fished out. He's like, oh, yeah, he, he's okay. He's fuck you. Off. No, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also keep in mind it was Helmer Hansen. So like this like mustachioed like Norwegian was also like, oh, 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 oh. true. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, like, they're all like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're all None like of them that. gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they write about passing over what they call sastrugi. Uh, both of them do, Scott and Amundsen. Uh, Sestrugi, like, think of, like, you know, like, sand dunes in the desert, how they kind of make those waves from, like, the mm -hmm. wind just rushing over them. Yeah. That's what that right. is. It creates, like, like, a pasta. wash. Yeah, it it's does like a washboard like effect, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, it's really difficult to go across those, you know what I mean? Mm. You have to know what you're doing to kind of navigate that, you know? It's clear that Scott doesn't, and I'll get to that later. 
what like <laughs> Amundsen does, you know, because the snow, he he was born in the snow, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's it's people like Bane, in Scott's the darkness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, there's people in Scott's expedition that have never seen snow. You know what I mean? So yeah. there you go. But by November 17th, the Norwegians had already reached the Trans-Antarctic Mountains, uh, which, like I said earlier, uh, line the coastal or continental edge of East Antarctica. Keep in mind the Ross Ice Shelf, even though they had to walk across it, and that's where like a lot of their depots were, um, that's an ice shelf. That's just a mm. big glacier. You know what I mean? That's not right. it's actual land. land. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They actually discovered that it moves up and down, too, with the tides. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, as they were making, like, observations and stuff, they're like, is this moving? Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That's not terrifying. Yeah, that, right? I wonder if that happened. That must happen at the North Pole, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's all pack ice, you know? Mm. So it all moves. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get in more into that uh, in the next episode. Oh. But, yeah, they, they, uh, they would leave another depot, and they carried enough for 60 days. And they began basically pressing into the this mountain range. They don't know if there's a passage through. Could you imagine that? Getting to a <laughs> mountain range and just going like, I need to get to the other side. And not yeah. having any idea on how to get to the other side. You are the first person to ever be there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. well, I this hope is, there's a way through. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's nothing. Nothing to guide you. You know, mm-hmm. hey, if if Shackleton was able to get over those mountains on Elephant Island, then yeah, oh, yeah that's true. Go for it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, it when they were in that particular area, though. Like, yeah, no man had ever been there ever. They would basically use all the dogs that they had for the climb up, right? And then they mm-hmm. got to this area at the top where they were like, okay, here comes the ugly part. And they had to slaughter 24 of them. Yeah, they they would leave. They left eight that left 18 of them for the crossing of the plateau beyond the mountains. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they would they would cache some in the mountains for their return journey and, you know, feed the dogs, the meat and things like this. But they, they talked about how it was a depressing, bloody place to be. Yeah. You know, they did right. not like doing that. Uh, they called it Slectary, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, which basically means the butchery or oh, the God. butcher station or something like that. Yeah, Abattoir. Yeah, it was it was just covered in blood up there, you know. Good God. Um, mm-hmm. And all all uh, Amundsen really has to say is uh, there was depression and sadness in the air. <laughs> that's that's like him <laughs> just sort of. That's about as bad as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then they they. Woof. Yeah, they, they <laughs> descended, like, there, there was these glaciers they had to go over. One of them they called the Devil's Glacier. Mm. And uh, he says, quote, The Devil's Glacier has proved worthy of its name. One walks two miles to make one. Chasm after chasm, abyss after abyss, must be walked around. Treacherous cracks, among other things, make progress extremely difficult. The dogs are struggling, and the drivers no less. And he writes that on November 30th. So that's like as they're getting to the base of the mountains on the mm-hmm. other side, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, right. otherwise, honestly, it's gone off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like his whole thing, like yeah, shooting, shooting, and eating dogs—that's not something you want to do. But they're fine, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, they're fine. They're, they're in dog fine. heaven. They're fine. <laughs> on on December 7th, 1911, they passed Shackleton's farthest point south, the record, right? Which mm. at that point was 88 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and like, as they marked it, like they kind of did a, like a cheer and like all Amundsen says is like, well, my goggles were fogged up and I had to fix them, but I saw my men cheering. We must have, <laughs> uh, we must have passed Shackleton's record. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just how he is, you know? <laughs> but then he says, before they get there, he goes, shall we see the English uh, flag? God have mercy on us. I don't believe it. You know, that was Bialand who said that. But like, they're all thinking like, are the English going to beat us there? Are they going to beat us? Mm. But by December 14th, 1911, it was over. They had made it. And like, they looked all around for like any life all around them. And they're like, we're the first. We're absolutely the first. And like, he took like several sex tents, a bunch of like, 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 (laughs) duplicate <laughs> duplicate devices to make sure that their measurements were accurate to make sure that they were actually at the pole so no one could say no uh like cook or peary mm. right mm. no uh you didn't make mm. it he's like no we're staying for a couple of days and we're gonna make sure that this, this is where we live now or the south pole yeah <laughs> yeah right i gotta eat that christmas pudding they're just in time yeah <laughs> <laughs> And he said, uh, uh, here, here is him being crazy. Here, here's him gushing. Here, he's completed his boyhood dream, okay? Like, the second boyhood dream, mind you. Not the first, the second one. You'll always be remembered for this, and he knows it. But here's, here's, how he, here's what he says. Quote, Never has a man achieved a goal so diametrically opposed to his wishes. The area around the North Pole, devil take it, had fascinated me since childhood. And now here I was at the South Pole. Could anything be more crazy? That's, yeah. You're just like, this is crazy, man. (laughs) I mean, it is crazy. It's It's the most opposite of what I wanted. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Is it? Is it? I think it's meaning it's not not. the North Pole. It's not the North Pole, but the South will do. Yeah. Uh, so they planted a Norwegian flag, all of them at the same time, by the way, so no one could take 100% of the credit. Good call. And actually, nice. the first person to the South Pole was not Amundsen, it was Bialand. Mm. And that was just because, like, Amundsen was so impressed with his skiing that he was like, you go ahead, man, you be the first mm-hmm. person to the South Pole. Mm. You know? Uh-huh. It was a great honor, but they, they put a tent and a flag right at, at, at the South Pole where they thought it was. Turns out it was a little, where they put the tent was a little off. Mm-hmm. But whatever they they were there. Yeah. Oh, no, they fucked it up. They fucked it up. <laughs> no, no. Botch job. Yep. It was gotta do it all over again. Doesn't count. Amount. <laughs> Doesn't count. Uh, but in in the tent that they left there as well, he he put a like a note inside and a couple other things. And he's like he says, "quote I I leave in a folder a letter to king to the king of Norway, and a few words to Scott." who I must assume will be the first to visit this place after us. To the tent pole, we staple a plaque on which we all write our names. And so goodbye, dear pole. We will probably not see each other again. Wow. <laughs> so emotional over it. Yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. more, more emotional over leaving the pole than leaving shooting <laughs> a bunch of dogs. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the trip back was a little easier because the sun was on their backs this time. 
And if you travel sort of at night, because it just sort of circles above your head, right? Mm -hmm. If you travel yeah, at yeah, yeah. night, in quotes, then it's also at your back, right? Because it just sort of circles around you. Mm -hmm. So nighttime, you know, it's at your back. And it, it yeah, it, it, it's, it actually goes still pretty easy for them. Like, their whole trip is fast and kind of without incident. You know, they have Wild. a couple of close calls, but it's kind of without incident. Um, on Christmas Eve, they arrive at the depot that they had left at 88 degrees uh, south, where Shackleton was. Mm -hmm. This is just, a, I mean, they're making remarkable speed in this harsh terrain, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, like, they celebrate the evening with, like, porridge and biscuits and, like, cigars. Like, they brought, like, a few cigars with them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know? uh, two days later, uh, they make it to 85 degrees. Uh, south by the mountain that actually uh, still bears this name. It's one of the few uh, places that Amundsen named that still has its its name. It's mm -hmm. called Mount Betty, after oh. his nanny growing up as a kid. Oh. Remember Betty? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Mount Betty is still on uh, Antarctica. It's still called that. That's uh, they changed everything else. They changed a few things. Yeah, <laughs> it changed it's too Norwegian things. sounding. It's weird. Well, he wasn't interested in, like, map making, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He was just sort of writing down notes for himself later, you know? Yeah. So, like, some of the places that they go to and see that they, like, they call one mountain the beehive, mm -hmm. you know? Right. People are like, now, which one is that? It, like, takes, like, detective work, you know? Dangerous mm -hmm. detective work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. To figure that out. Basically, on, on January 17th, uh, 1912, Amundsen writes this. He said... Had a small feast tonight on the occasion of our arrival at civilization's most southerly outpost, which is their third outpost, right? Uh, those mm -hmm. staggered outposts, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he, he writes that and they're like, oh, we're full. We, we ate so much. It was a great night. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to get to Scott's story here. But that same day, January 17th, 1912, they were actually off by a day, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, mm -hmm. They were off uh -huh. by day because they didn't account for the dateline and whatever. Anyway, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. But that same day, January 17th, 1912, yes, was the day that Scott would actually reach the South Pole. Mm. You know, which yeah. is so Rold, Rold was tearing ass the entire time. He was tearing ass. Yeah. <laughs> he, he painted flames on those sledges. Jesus. That's insane. tearing ass around yeah. Antarctica. He, he <laughs> tore through that place. 99 days after their departure, 10 days ahead of schedule, 10 days ahead of schedule, uh, January 26, 1912, Amundsen and his party returned successfully to Framheim. And like wow. they walked in when everybody was sleeping. They're like, <laughs> surprise! And they're like, oh, we didn't, we didn't think you were coming back until later, you know? We didn't think you were coming back. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, shit, Dad's yeah. home. Uh, I will say, though, that, that Amundsen, he knew that after they were at the South Pole that he goes, okay, but my work's not done yet. I got to, like, get to the ship now. I got to make it back. I have to make it back fast because I got to be the first one to, to let the news out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember what happened during that Northwest Passage shit. Where like the right. news got leaked, he's like, I can't have that happen this time. This time I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right, you know. And but I gotta get fat. I gotta be there fast. And like everyone's mm -hmm. like, Amundsen's kind of like instead of like going like 15 miles, 15 20 miles a day, 
Like he's pushing us to do more than that, to do like 26, 25 mm. miles in a day, you know, things like that, you know, which mm. they could do. It just, it's more strenuous. And he was yeah, definitely, right. yeah, yeah. It was a little bit more reckless than on the way over there, you mm-hmm. know. But four days later, on January 30th, everyone is back on the from, and, uh, you know, they went to Buenos Aires to, to get retrofitted and, and everything like that. And they set a course for Hobart, Tasmania. Oh. That was the closest uh, station for them to send out a wire. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, is like, the Morconograph did exist by this time, as mm-hmm. we know. Yeah. Um, he purposefully did not take one and was glad that Scott didn't have one. Because he was afraid that like his crew would get homesick and really want to use it all the time. And he's right. like, no, you got to be yeah. focused, man. you got to be focused, you know? <laughs> Stay off your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of the 100 dogs he started with, can you guess how many dogs he had left? Five. None. Eleven. <laughs> I said a dozen. Okay. You're, nice. you're the closest, Chris. Nice. He had eleven. Yeah. He had eleven. Also the closest. Yeah. I just threw uh, out a dozen, but yeah. I had no fucking idea. Yeah. Now, his brother Leon and Nansen, they had, like, secured, like, exclusive rights with, like, the New York Times and a couple other papers for, like, the exclusive story, right? All he had to do was send a wire to both of them saying, I did it, it's over. You know what I mean? Mm. So they get to Hobart. Amundsen goes ashore in disguise. I just imagine imagine he puts on, like, the the Groucho Marx glasses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, sends the wire in it. Yeah, he sends it in in code. Mm -hmm. Uh, The code's not that impressive. I think he just takes the alphabet and flips it. Like, that's all he does. That's solid way. (laughs) Snow Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But once once people kind of know, like, people are like, oh, my God, like, for polar explorers, like, you guys look pretty good. Like... (laughs) You know, we're used to seeing, like, Shackleton, and you know, he's all grizzled and nasty, you know? But, like, he's like, a couple of you guys, like, did you guys gain weight? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I actually. got that juicy ass. <laughs> I gained weight on this yeah, one was, thing. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that juicy ass. It's yeah. really important. Hey, uh, <laughs> they ate a lot of ass. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Dog that ass. sex tent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's not what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's to, it's to make your position known. Using mm-hmm. stars. Oh, they knew where they knew their position. <laughs> 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 uh, among the people that sent congratulations to Amundsen uh, were Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, that's nice. Uh, King George V begrudgingly sent Asshole. congratulations, right? Because he knows that Scott is still down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I King, say. King Hakon, of course, the king of Norway. Yes. Norway. Um, all of the expedition's uh, participants uh, received the Norwegian South Pole Medal. And don't ask me how to say that in Norwegian. I did write it down. I, but, dude, I, I'm. it's not going to... I, just, I, there's no just way. Do I'm your, sorry. Do your best so that we can make fun of you. Okay. <laughs> Sid Pol's medallion. Sid Pol's medallion. Okay. Sid Pol's medallion, right? Sid Pol's medallion. Or maybe yeah. it's medallion. 
because it's the yeah. J, right? Those J's. Mm. Sid Paul's medallion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I guess it's perfect. not that bad. You, you, yeah, you, got you there. did it. I got the I got the gist, right? Yeah, you got there. <laughs> All of our Norwegian <laughs> listeners, uh, tell Jerry that he did a good job. <laughs> you did a good job. You don't job, have Jerry. to do that. Knowing Nor- knowing Norwegians though, they'd be like, yeah, yeah. it's not. That <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, thank you. I've grown yeah. so tired of my papers flying off my desk. Yeah, <laughs> I can set it on there now. Uh, it's paperweight. Yeah, treating it like a paperweight. Uh, <laughs> okay. When uh, when Amundsen did return, you know, it was big news. Uh, when it when it happened and you know Amundsen he would go to Argentina first to kind of put his head down and write his book about the whole thing he knew that that was one thing you got you had to get out of the way and like really quick you know he had this he had it planned out you know the, even even the end part planned out <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I gotta write the book and then I'm gonna go back I'm gonna talk to the Royal Geographic uh, Society and uh, then I'm gonna go on a speaking tour and I'm gonna make all my money back you know like cool. th- that's what he's gonna do so he, when he does go back and, and address the Royal Geographic Society, Lord Curzon, who we'll probably talk about in a later episode, mm-hmm. different story for a different day, but he was the society's president at the time. And uh, as sort of a kind of a fuck you, I guess, it was kind of a dick move. But he stood up and he went, three cheers for the dogs. <laughs> you know, because he's like the dogs Jeez. are the, the dogs are the real heroes of this story. You know, not you. You know, <laughs> damn. He was kind of miffed at that. You know, that's a little rude. But Shackleton, all right, easy there, Peta. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shackleton, who was in the room uh, at the time, he he was like, "No, dude, Amundsen's probably the greatest polar explorer explorer of all time. Like mm-hmm. that guy's amazing. You know what I mean?" And, of course, Shackleton hasn't done the endurance yet. You know what I mean? That's going to come here mm-hmm. soon, you know? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, something that pushed Amundsen's achievement sort of out of the papers was in April of that year. And you know what happens in April of 1912, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The Cadbury egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, yeah. The Titanic, of course. Yes. Pushed yeah, it, off, I know. Pushed it off, the, off the papers. And then in... Like, all this time passes, he's going on all these speaking tours, you know, he, he's in the U.S., he's in Europe, he's in all these things. In February of 1913, Amundsen and the rest of the world would find out what happened to Scott. It mm. took that long. Mm. You wow. know what I mean? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, and the world was kind of, like, holding their breath to see when Scott back to, like, confirm or deny what mm-hmm. Amundsen is saying. They've already gone through this Cook Perry shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, Scott's expedition to the South Pole was a lot different than Mm. Amundsen's. For a lot of the reasons I mentioned above, you know, they they weren't really focused on their job of getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. Scott was an authoritarian. He was just like, do what I say. You know, people won't know the plan, you know, so they don't understand the plan, so they have a Mm -hmm. hard time following you. You know what I mean? Right. And the thing about using the mixtures of man hauling, dogs, ponies, and motor sledges is he had to use a, a staggered start. So the motor sledges would go, then the ponies would go, then the dogs would go, you know, and then like 
so it took much longer. There were way too many people involved, you know? Mm. And, like, right away, right. pretty much, the motor sledges fail. And just, they have to be left out there. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're mm. still there. They probably are still there, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, and, and here's the thing about Scott, though, is that his diaries, he was writing with an audience in mind. You know mm. what I mean? Like, he knew that one day he could just publish his diaries and mm. that would be the book. Mm-hmm. Like putting hearts on the eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a better writer. He's a better writer than Amundsen. Amundsen, again, like, page after page of Amundsen's book is like, great weather, great skiing, that, nothing too bad. Like, that's pretty much the whole book. It's kind of boring, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But Scott's right. book is riveting. My God, it's riveting. First of all, he cannot let go of how much he hates Shackleton. You can't let that go. Like, they were with each other on the Discovery, and, like, that's when, like, Scott kicked Shackleton off of the Discovery expedition. They just hated each other. Both men hated each other. That's funny. And he was pissed off that Shackleton made it 88 degrees south, and, like, he was like, Shackleton didn't... It wasn't this cold when Shackleton was here. And Shackleton overstates all these things. He over he overblows this. It's not that bad. You know, like certain things, you know, Shackleton's a fucking liar. It's basically what he's saying the entire time. Oh my god. Yeah. Something else that's noticeable in Scott's diaries is that he resents the weather. He thinks the weather is out to get him. Whereas <laughs> Amundsen, Amundsen's like, it's very cold today. You know, like, he's like, (laughs) like, Scott is like, like, will it ever, you know, ever get any warmer at all? Like this snow, I swear it's trying to stop me. Like, uh, you know, (laughs) it didn't treat Shackleton like this. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you can definitely see his mental state degrade, like over the pages. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. Just making stupid calls, not really realizing, like, how fucked he is, like, at multiple occasions. Like, early on, he realizes that, like, the ponies just aren't working, and he's just not willing to admit it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, you know, like, uh, by he's the way. He's stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ponies was named Christopher. Ah, after me. Uh, after you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of them had a less PC name. It was called... Chinaman. <laughs> wow. I was like, you named a horse that? What the fuck? <laughs> leave it leave it to a Brit, man. Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I know it was a different time, but it's it still was, rid- ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You named a horse that. Give, give me a break. I it's, mean, like, to, to be fair, though, like, have you been to, like, the horse tracks, racetracks? And, like, uh, you, you see yeah. the horses' names. Oh, oh that's horses true. Horses' names yeah. are no- notoriously, like, crazy, but they're usually, mm-hmm. like, like a sentence or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa's uh, horse, I remember that he raised from birth, like, when I was a kid. Uh, her name was Taxi, but her full name was Taxable Cash. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because oh, the, my God. The horse was born on tax day. You know what I mean? Jesus oh like, that's, ho- that's horse culture for you, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Ugh. Yeah. Weird. Um, horse people are weird. I was just going to say that. <laughs> that same exact thing. I wasn't yeah. going to say it, but I was thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude uh, to horse people. Yeah. This resentment 
of the weather and, and, you know, versus Amundsen's acceptance of the weather, that definitely made an impact on Scott's mental fortitude, on his mental bearing, you know, um, among other things. He also, again, pretty early on, doesn't seem to realize that he simply doesn't have enough paraffin. Paraffin is like the little thing that they use for their stoves mm-hmm. to like light their stoves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He does right. not have enough fuel to boil the, the snow to make water. He doesn't have enough water mm. for the trip. Holy fuck. Like, That's botched up. And he just doesn't realize it because he's dealing with, like, it's so cold, you know? Like, it, it's getting down to, like, negative 40, negative mm. 30. When it's, like, negative 10, they're like, oh, my God, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Jesus. I feel like you yeah. could just eat the snow down there because that will dehydrate you if you do that you're not supposed to eat snow so what does boiling it do well not only does it kill the bacteria in it but your body it has something to do with your body processing like Mm -hmm. the water itself like yeah if you try eating snow it actually takes more energy to uh consume snow yeah uh, than not doing that at all. And uh, he pulls, like, he orders some of his men to go back at that point. And then he'll pull over the, the, the same route that Shackleton used over the Trans-Antarctic mountain range uh, to go over that. That is intensely difficult for, for him. He's man-hauling a lot of his sledges, refuses to accept that dogs are better, or even that skis are better. He even tells mm-hmm. a guy, like, take off your skis, man. And it's like, dude, you're, you've condemned this man to death now. You know, you mm, need right. skis out here, and he's like, "No, crampons and uh, and snowshoes. That's the way. That's the way to go." And it's like, "No, <laughs> no oh man, you know, you're just repeating a lot of mis- you're mistakes. fucking up. It's just pure stubbornness is getting everybody. Yeah, it's pure killed. stubbornness. Yeah. Uh, one of his men, though, um, you may recognize him, Tom Crane. Remember Tom Crean? Tom was Cruise? On, Tom Crean. Tom Crean. <laughs> he was on he was on the uh Endurance expedition mm. with Shackleton. So I'm sure keep I, that, I can't keep remember the fucking mind. name in the world. Crean Crean wasn't the one uh who had like severe frostbite in his foot, right? Well they all had severe frostbite. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the the one guy in particular that got well, was like super fucked up on Elephant Island. Uh, or, that, was it I, Elephant Island or I don't remember exactly. No, I think the youngest person of the expedition uh, of the expedition that happened to Tom Crean. He he would he was a storied polar uh, explorer adventurer, uh, just like Frank Wilde uh, and Shackleton, and you know pretty much all these guys really. But yeah, Tom right. Crean. He would basically like Scott basically saves his life when he tells him to go back to the Terra Nova. And he cries because he wants to be with him, but he right, saves wow. his life. And the crazy thing thing about Tom Crean is like when he gets to England, he turns right around and gets on the endurance with Shackleton and goes through that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just insane. You know, fucking psychopaths. All of these people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Scott's original plan was to bring three guys with him to the pole. Right. Four total including mm-hmm. himself. But um, he has, like, favoritism, and he decides that he's going to modify his plan in the moment, right? Right then and there, that he's going to take another man, not really realizing that th- this is going to stretch their food 
and everything else that they have left by bringing one more person with them, right? <sighs> so it's it's Scott, it's Wilson, Bowers, Evans, and Oates. Mm-hmm. Those are the five that are going to go to the poll. And who was the extra one that he brought? Uh, well, uh, Evans, I believe, mm. was the extra, the extra mm. one. So in his diary, the days before, he was like, Evans is, like, really, <laughs> I'm, like, really liking Evans lately. I think I might bring him to the poll with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know the, the Do you think part, he'll say yes? Yeah. 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 He passed him a note. Said, yes, no, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Check one off. Yeah. He actually had two Evans on the trip. And one of them he liked a lot, and the other one he hated. <laughs> oh, I hope he didn't get confused. Yeah, the good Evans. You're the good Evans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he used their <coughs> initials <coughs> in his diary. Yeah. Jesus, I'm choking to laugh so hard, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even that funny. It's just that time of night, I don't know. <laughs> Like, by the time, like, Amundsen is, like, halfway, you know, back already, uh, January 17th, um, 1912, one month after Amundsen is there, that's when Robert Falcon Scott and his men actually arrive mm-hmm. at the South Pole. But before they get there, they can see the tent and the flag off in the distance. And they're like, oh, God no. damn it. Yeah, they're like, please, 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 not the Norwegians. Please, yeah. not the Norwegians. Hopefully it's another third expedition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's an unrelated third expedition. Yeah. And, like, the note he found in the in the tent, you know, mm. he thought was, mm-hmm. like, mocking him. Oh, it probably was. You know what I mean? Well, like, just, like, Scott, uh, I leave this note for Scott, who uh, I assume is the next person here. He's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's what Scott has to say when this happens. And you can really contrast this with how Amundsen writes. Quote, The worst has happened, or nearly the worst. This told us the whole story. The Norwegians have forestalled us and are first at the pole. It is a terrible disappointment. And I'm very sorry for my loyal companions. Many thoughts come and much discussion have we had. Tomorrow... We must march on to the pole and then hasten home with all the speed we can compass. All the day dreams must go. It will be a wearisome return. End quote. He goes on to say, Great God, this is an awful place, and a terrible enough for us to have labored to it without the reward of priority. End quote. Uh, the, the, The last thing he writes on that day, he goes, now for the run home and a desperate struggle. I wonder if we can do it. Because uh. he still thinks maybe there's a maybe a chance that he can beat Amundsen to the wire. Yeah, he doesn't at know, least yeah. to be the first with the news, you know. But he has or no way of knowing. Could have oh died God. after. Yeah, yeah. Right. They got to the pole. Yeah. This guy's so dramatic. Oh yeah, but that's oh, that's how you he's write, an Englishman. you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's much it makes for a better story. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Now January and uh, into February, they they cross the Transantarctic Mountain Range again. Uh, during this crossing, it is really bad. Um, they are starving to death, even though they don't know it. They are yeah. dehydrated, even though they don't know it. 
Evans uh, suffers a head injury and makes it across the range, but dies in February mm. at the oh, foot of tragic. the mountain range. Wait, the good Evans? Yeah. Or the bad Evans? Why <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> couldn't you... have been the other Evans? Yeah. <laughs> that's what Scott said. <laughs> that's, that's what he screamed at the top of his lungs. <laughs> I shouldn't have taken him with me. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, and Oates. Oates is... He's suffering severe, severe frostbite. Um, his legs are gangrenous at this mm. point. Um, he can't keep up. They are exerting energy by pulling him and, yeah. and keeping him with them. They should eat him. Yeah. Oats well, is not a him. pony, right? No, Oats. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's his last name. I'm just calling him by their last name. Yeah, I okay. know, but that's, that's what they should have named him. Now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a way better name than China. Yeah. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much almost any other name. Almost yeah. any other name. Uh, There's some slurs I wouldn't even say out loud, so. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, they were nursing him back to health, and uh, he was getting a little bit better. And uh, at some point in the night, because they, like, they, they kept getting stopped by like storms and, and blizzards and things like this, where they just couldn't move. Oats, at one point, like they're all huddled in the tent, Oates stands up and he goes, quote, I'm just going outside and maybe sometime, end quote. Hmm. And he leaves the tent and they never see him again. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a way to do it. Yeah. They didn't go try and look for him. They were like, well, whatever. Fuck that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. If, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> They're like, later, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, like, yeah, we'll, it's time for me to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> <laughs> the old frosty call it a trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah here you go. frosty trail. <laughs> the old frosty trail. It kind of sounds like you're gonna like drink like a nice cold beer or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Frosty right. sounds nice. Yeah, nice frosty beer. <laughs> I'm gonna hit the frosty trail. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah, Coors Light commercial. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wilson uh, writes this quote: "This looks like a finish to our undertaking, for we are out of food and oil." and not able to move for three days now on account of the blizzard. We have had a long struggle against intense cold on very short fuel, and it has done us in. End quote. Oof. And yeah, this is absolutely that part in that sketch. Like, yeah. it's, it's Wilson, Bowers, and Scott in the tent. You know what I yeah. mean? Evans they, is dead, right. Oates is dead, you know? So they they're like, it's down to three. They say the <laughs> other character's name. I, I think it even they might even say, be you, Wilson. Like, no, you remember no, that? The, the guy laying next to him is yeah. Wilson. I think they called him Wilson in Rob, the sketch. They do. They? And Robert yeah. Webb is Bowers. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. they reference Oates. And he goes, before he left the tent, he let me eat some chocolate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I gotta rewatch that now. Yeah. After. yeah. That's super funny. Yeah. Like, they got really specific with that. That's, they did. that's fantastic. They did. Yeah, they were absolutely making fun of this. <laughs> Crazy. Here's, wow. here's, what, here's what Scott has to say. This, Scott knows he's going to die now. He knows. Mm. Um, he can't move. He, he can't. Um, he's tried. He's sick. Um, they can't get him to move. Um, mm -hmm. Some people even say that, like, you know, uh, Bowers and Wilson probably could have made it, you know, if they, if they weren't sort of tied down by Scott, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Plus, Scott, um, what, they could have, they would have just eaten the chocolate. Uh, Christmas pudding if Scott wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
so Scott writes like letters to the public, letters to you know, he's basically saying goodbye to everyone and 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 whatnot. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quote a little bit of it here because it's very famous and especially in England, it's very famous. Uh, famous quote. Hmm. For four days, we have been unable to leave the tent, the gale howling about us. We are weak. Writing is difficult. But for my own sake, I do not regret this journey, which has shown that Englishmen can endure hardships, help one another, and meet death with, a, with as great a fortitude as ever in the past. We took risks. We knew we took them. Things have come out against us, and therefore... We have no cause for complaint, but bow to the will of providence, determined still to do our best to the last. But if we have been willing to give our lives to this enterprise, which is for the honor of our country, I appeal to our countrymen to see that those who depend on us for properly are properly cared for. Had we lived, I should have had a tale to tell of the hardihood, endurance, and courage courage of my champions which would all of which would have stirred the hearts of every englishman these rough notes and our dead bodies must tell the tale but surely surely a great rich country like ours will see that those who are dependent on us are properly provided for he ha he harps on that end quote but then he 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 goes on later as well he's this is kind of the rest of the quote there's a bunch of stuff in the middle i'm going to skip over that but this mm -hmm. this is kind of like another famous part and it, it kind of makes you realize like how close they are they're almost mm -hmm. there they just can't move anymore mm. quote every day we have been ready to start for our depot 11 miles away 11 miles away Ugh. but outside the door of our tent it remains a scene of whirling drift I do not think we can hope for anything better, for any better things now. We shall stick it out to the end, but we are getting weaker, and of course, and, and the end cannot be far. It seems a pity, but I do not think I can write anymore. End quote. That's the last uh, entry in his journal, uh, dated March 29th, 1912. And then oh he, has a, he adds a postscript, for God's sake, look after our people. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, March 29th. They were out there a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Bunch yeah. of dummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of dum -dums. But 11 miles. They were just 11 miles away from that depot that would have had food and maybe some paraffin to, like, you know, have some water, things like mm -hmm. this. You know what would have helped out? Those skis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Skis, dogs, you know, mm -hmm. like anything for more, just a little bit more speed, you know, yeah. instead of, you know, pulling like, you know, Shackleton was pulling like the boats, which had to be harder than the sledges. So he would have been pulling the sledges. It's not that, you know, not that much better. You know, his body was right. He would have died on the ice shelf then. Right. Like he yeah, must have been pretty on close. the ice shelf. Yep. Yep. So a search party in November, November 12th of 1912. It's been mm -hmm. some time, but I mean, the winter. It would have been winter, yeah. Yeah, the winter goes by. So November uh, 12th, uh, they go out there and they find the frozen bodies of Scott, Wilson, and Bowers, indeed uh, 11 miles away uh, south from uh, their depot that they called One Ton Depot. Mm -hmm. 
by uh, February 10th of 1913, uh, they sent a coded message back to New Zealand. Um, there was an expedition agent in New Zealand ready to receive word from them, basically, informing him of uh, Scott's fate and that of his party. Pretty crazy shit because, like, you know, Amundsen, I think, he's he's in America. I think he's actually in, like, like one of the Dakotas or, like, mm-hmm. Minnesota or something like that when he, figure, when he finds Probably out. Probably Minnesota. Oh, well, he, that makes sense. If, yeah, if he likes cold and snow. Yeah. <laughs> He was on a speaking tour, uh, but, like, when he found out... Getting that casserole. Huh? He's probably getting some casserole while he's at that (laughs) speaking tour. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, when he found out, you know, he was like, oh, my God, that's so horrible. Horrible, horrible. And he was like, to think that while these men were suffering, you know, I was, you know, safe and warm in Australia. You know? (laughs) That's a great time. It's terrible. And honestly, the terrible news about Scott's fate, it really overshadowed, further overshadowed Amundsen's achievement. You know what I mean? People remember Shackleton. They remember Scott, mm. but not necessarily Amundsen. And it's really because... And he's the one who did it. <laughs> yeah, right? And it's because of right. that, you know? Yeah. Mm. And honestly, you know, it's because Amundsen made the impossible look easy. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy, but he made it look like it was easy you know what mm-hmm. i mean right yeah right yeah and like some people are like well is it bad luck did did scott get bad luck and like amundsen was quoted like saying like e- even earlier before he took the trip he was like people who say they have bad luck are the people that don't plan well enough and uh, they just go oh mm-hmm. i have bad luck and it's like yeah, yeah, but people yeah. that plan for like everything that could go wrong they have good luck <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so and it wasn't really until much later that like people reexamined Robert Falcon Scott and they were like, yeah, look, he's not like the super British hero that we think he is. Mm-hmm. Like one historian, and I agree with this, called him a heroic bungler. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I agree with that. He was heroic, sure, but a bungler nonetheless. You Spot know shop. <laughs> and it. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes to show, like, what Amundsen was proving, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, if you're not prepared to do that, mm-hmm. then don't go. My That's God, kind of his don't thing. go. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. At the end of this whole thing, you know, uh, Hjalmar Johansson, um, he'd basically been uh, unstable and uh, he couldn't really settle back into normal life uh, when he returned from Antarctica. He became withdrawn, uncommunicative. He refused to discuss his experiences or even uh, to dis- uh, or his dispute with Amundsen later on in his life. So he lost all of his money. Um, he Ooh. died penniless, very depressed the rest of his life. And in uh, on January fourth, nineteen thirteen, he uh, shot himself um, at his home in Oslo. Yeah, tragic, tragic story about that man. But uh, Amundsen, he kind of knew. He, he, you know, he he was aware that he's like, well, as much as I don't want to say it, Scott's death really, uh, you know, like I said earlier, like took the, took the steam out of my engine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the steam yeah. engine is yeah. lacking steam. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, yeah. It it. it 
it kind of fucked it up. You know what I mean? He he wanted to to be the one like Nansen, where like he arrived. There's a ticker tape parade, and they put him on mm-hmm. on on you know everyone's shoulders. You know, mm-hmm. say yay, Amundsen. You, know? you did it. But he never really got that. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. So of course he was going to plan another trip. Oh. To the North Pole. He so wasn't done it. by any means yet. And he was he was going to do it all again, basically, this time to the north, because a lot of people were still just like, I don't know that Cook or per- Peary made it to the North Pole. So he was yeah. like, well, fuck it then. I, maybe <laughs> maybe when they they do all figure this out, maybe I will be the first one to the North Pole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But that, dear listener, is uh-huh. where we will leave you for Part four, the final part of our ah. series on Roald Amundsen. That's and I promise you, there's, there's an insane there's amount more? of shit left, too. <laughs> Does he go to the moon? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. he may as well. I mean, the South Pole may as well have been the moon, yeah. you know, in his time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that I noticed, because uh, I was following along on Google Earth. Yeah, I was trying uh, to. Yeah. Which is just crazy in and of itself just like following this whole route and everything it, it's so cool and awesome yeah. but uh, what I'm curious and because you said that uh, uh, his tent was just off of where the South Pole was at yes. correct yes is is that where the uh, the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory is located at? That I don't know, actually. I don't know exactly where that place is, but I do know what you're talking about. Um, the, the, what little thing, like blurb that's, that it says is that uh, it's it was constructed at the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Station. Ah. Did they hmm. na- maybe they so named like, the station? They must have they named the station after them, afterwards. Is that possible? Maybe they did. Hold on, what's it called? Amundsen Scott South Pole Station. Yeah, yeah, it's the and the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory. I don't think it's it's actually on the pole. No, it's on the high plateau. Hold on, let it's me pretty close. I'm looking at the uh, like. It's, yeah, it's pretty fucking close. Oh yeah, no, the it, coordinates it looks are like, like it's 89. right at the pole. Yeah, really close. Eighty nine yeah. degrees and fifty. Fifty nine twenty four. Yeah, that's that's pretty much there. Like the crazy thing about uh, Scott too is that the tint wasn't necessarily a marker of the pool itself, right? And Scott never like walked around the area like Amundsen and all of his guys did to make sure that they got it right, you know? Right. So the most kind of agonizing fucked up fact about the whole thing is that Scott may have not actually been to the real South Pole. <laughs> he was just at Amundsen's tent. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he put it slightly off on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> to fuck with Scott. Yeah. It was his last practical joke. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, this, no, that's, the, that's crazy. I was just going to yeah. say Sorry, the station is just named after them. Yeah, it looks okay. like it's right on the pole. It was established in the 50s. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because, I mean, how badass would it be if, like, that station is, like, preserving that tent? You know, <laughs> like they were... Oh, I'm, I'm sure it exists somewhere. 
like I, like is it still there did, did somebody find it like I have no clue the tent has not been since Scott's party left it it's probably under uh, a bunch of layers of ice but it's yeah. still it's still there it's just under right. a bunch of layers of ice with the thing there's a because they were taking pictures a lot of the time uh, Scott's party was there's a picture of men standing in front of that tent but it's mm-hmm. not Amundsen it's Scott, Scott and, his and if you look at their faces like if you zoom in and look at their faces they don't look like they're having a good time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a guy on the or on the far right that you can see and it's like yeah he's not he's not happy <laughs> Well, you, you you would know if it was Rald and the gang because they'd all have their shirts off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with like tattoos and stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just yeah, imagining well, I, I mean, it's like an anchor tattoo or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Scouts team, gang. Sweet. You know. Yeah. Bummer. Uh, yeah, poor puppies. He he also oh, yeah. he did take a uh at the time they called it like a cinematograph or cinema cinemagraph. It was a cinematograph. And uh there is on uh, YouTube for the, for the moving pictures. Yeah, on, on YouTube you can actually watch like Scott's party like before they took the trip south and like all the stuff they had and, Oh really? And, yeah. One of the guys that survived he narrates it because um, it was like kind of recut later for like mm-hmm. talkie movies. And he they brought him mm-hmm. back to like, narrate it. That's so, interesting. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that like in 2023, we can watch something from 1912. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, that's pretty badass. People like walking around and saying stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the first People time like- in like human history that we've been able to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Boy, mate. Boy, mate, yeah. Yeah. fucking cold, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. F- fucking cold, all right. Yeah. yeah. You got that right. It's very cold. Yeah. yeah. Wow. They just say that a lot. It is cold. There. I mean, it's summer here. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of it was kind of cloudy today, you know? Yeah, it's no, kind of nice. nice. Yeah, it yeah. was nice, actually. I kind of I <laughs> needed it. But you know what else? I'm Christopher Whedon, and I'm a history boy. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maddie Moon, and I'm also a history boy. Nice. Um, and uh, well, I don't know. What can I talk about? <laughs> yeah. Social medias. <laughs> live yeah. show. We can well, talk about the live show. Thinking, yeah, this will be out before. Yeah. yeah. It'll be just in a few days. This will yeah. be out on Saturday. So this Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll have a live show Wednesday. at the Rendezvous Jewel Box Theater. Yeah. Come see us. R- Rendezvous. Rendezvous. Yeah. See me and the rest of these guys, too, <laughs> uh, telling you a story. Yeah. yeah. About Seattle history. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be fun on a bun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm Zach Mack, and I'm also a history boy. That's cool. Nice. And I'm Jerry Nash, your humble history boy as always. Thank you so much for listening. Boy, I can't wait to see you at the live show. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, for everyone involved, um, including me. Yeah, very excited for that. Uh, follow us on all the social medias, like Maddie said. Send us an email at historyboyspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, best way to get a hold of us if you want to, like, 
you know, recommend a, a topic or something like that, or just to say hello. Mm-hmm. We, we enjoy hearing from you. Leave us a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever you do. Like positive feedback. Give us positive feedback. Yeah, I, don't need, I don't need that shit in my life. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, all, that, all that shit really helps us out. It does like, help seriously. us out without spending the, a dime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spending yeah. a dime at all. Um, let's see. Can't we just see at the live show? I think that's it, Mister yeah. Zach. Mm-hmm. Oh, before I, we got, got some shirts coming. Uh, we got we got shirts coming. Oh yes, oh, yes. So that's a thing. Merchandise, merchandise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, they're, gonna look really, they're gonna look really awesome, guys. Mm-hmm. We we're unveiling new art as well mm-hmm. uh, for that that has Maddie on it. Yeah, yeah. get Tyler's yeah. fucking dumb I'm head off there. Tyler. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, right. just, Best way to keep up on that is follow us on uh, on social media yeah. like that. Like seriously, once we get the drop in, mm-hmm. and you know yeah. what to do. They yeah. will also on be available note, for purchase at the live show. Yeah. Yes, they will. They will be yes. uh, before anyone else. Yeah, uh, gets so you get it first. Mm-hmm. You'll get it first if you go to the live show because that's when we'll have them. Well, I will literally have the have the shirts in my possession on that day. So <laughs> even if it were possible for you to get them beforehand. You couldn't. You know, I you I couldn't. I couldn't promise that. I'm sorry. It would just it's a it, physically impossible. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Mr. Zach, would you please? <laughs> Love you. Bye.